welcome to Bad Dad's Film Review. Sit back, relax, and listen to the mellifluous tones of some movie fans who somehow managed to have children talking about movies and kids' TV. It's all very exciting this week, as we proffer ourselves before you, dear listeners, with gifts aplenty. The first being this week's cosmopolitan lineup from the mind of co-host Dan, who takes us back to his burgeoning adulthood in 19th century France with this week's main feature <laughs> perfume, The Story of a Murderer before taking a critical examination of Doc McStuffins, and before all that, the vaguely defined top five movies with a French connection. Another gift for you, the listener, is that we're a man short this week. Howie has sadly contracted COVID. He says it's really shit, by the way. And bad dad Peter Andre and his partner have recently spawned a new human, which I'm delighted to say that they have allowed us to name as part of this week's <laughs> show, which really is a terrific gift to He's the game, isn't he? He's brilliant, isn't it? So if you fancy being able to name Peter's new son, please just contact us at Dad's Film or elsewhere and let us know your thoughts. Nice. No, I'm jesting, probably. But we do have a real competition that we're running that is a gift from Sidey, who had to perform unspeakable sex acts on a cartoon mouse in order to procure five digital copies of Disney's Cruella to give away. Terms and conditions apply. Bad Ads Film Review will not be held responsible for any death or injuries caused as a result of using the digital codes. Codes are only valid in USA or for those who have VPN access. All you have to do is listen to that Cruella episode uh, that was released earlier in time than what you're listening to now and tell us how many Dalmatians we gave it out of 101 and then contact us on Twitter at Dad's Film via email baddadsjsy at gmail.com Facebook Instagram etc etc and you know TikTok TikTok we'll we'll try yeah we'll go viral Dan's going to put on a Dalmatian costume (laughs) and uh, Sidey's going to dress as Cruella it's going to be fucking off the charts yeah we're looking forward to all that happening we yeah, big time. And if you're listening to this episode in like three months time, like somehow you picked up, just give us a chance. We might still have one of those codes yeah. knocking around. <laughs> you know, don't don't be shy. Shout. Just come back and get them. We've got them for you. We're delighted to give them away. We had a top five last week. We did. What was it? It was, was it my week as well? It was your week. Yeah, I mean, obviously Hang on. you, Hang on. you don't. Oh, flops. Yeah. Titanic. Was that given to us as a flop? No. It did kind of flop into the sea. It did a bit. Yeah. We had quite a few nominations from our adoring public. The usual sort of suspects, not the usual suspects, but yeah. um, Shawshank, uh, Baron Munchausen was mentioned quite a lot of times. Dan, one of the listeners' nominations particularly caught your eye, didn't it? That uh, was, was Stella's one, I think, wasn't it? Uh, well, Stacy nominated Jupiter Ascending. Ah, oh, right. That's one. the one, wasn't it, that you yeah. were thinking of? And Gav also mentioned Waterworld, which I think we spoke about yeah. in the show. But Jupiter Ascending was not mentioned at all. So that sounds like... It's a good one. Have you seen it? No. No. Nice I really one. love the Wachowskis, but even that was stretching it a little bit for oh, really? me. That one. Sorry. Should we put it in? Yeah. Good one. Nice one. All right, thanks, thanks Stacey. Sally. <laughs> <laughs> Stacey's a big fan of the show. You really ought to show some more respect, Daniel. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> We have then this sort of vague top vague five top for five. this week of yeah. movies with a French connection. Yeah, it, it come around quick again when I realised it was my recommendations. I'd only had about six weeks to sort it out. So on the spot, <laughs> I, I, I also went... kept telling you no as well. I, I recall the conversation. You were like, <laughs> yeah. oh, should we do this? And I was like, no. Yeah, so we, no. we, we finally got to something broad enough that we could think of some films we wanted to mention and that was the french connection a yeah 
films that had that connection of France. Okay, so I wonder how we've all approached this because this is quite a. Um... Well, I've only got one movie. Okay, the I, French Connection. The French Connection. Two. <laughs> French Connection. <Okay>. Two. <laughs> yeah. That, well, Dan, why don't you why don't you um, well, set the ball rolling and we can see how you've approached it? Well, I've approached it with the Intouchables. Okay, which was a movie we record. We did record a podcast it. about. We reviewed it. We reviewed. I it remember reviewing back. it. I do not remember. <laughs> you don't even. Well, you were very drunk, but. This was the, the film of Omar Sy's mm. bad guy, wrong side of the tracks, looking after a guy who's a paraplegic and them having a lot lows. of fun together a lot, and a lot of lows. I like to think you put us on the map a little bit ahead of everybody else with the Omar Sy. Yeah, we, we didn't wait for Lupin. We were, yeah, we were there. Yeah, there he, he was good. I mean, I think at the time we remember talking about one in two French people have seen this film. Mm, yeah. So they were well ahead of the curve of us. But yeah, from Lupin as well, which is on Netflix that we've talked about enjoying, he's brilliant in that as well. Yeah, he's really cool. And that, that was a really, really great film. I really and it was shot it. in France and it was French. Yeah. There was a f- strong French that connection. Is, that is good. Riggs, what you got for us? I like in Austin Powers in International Man of Mystery when he's talking about is it gold member he says he's not gold member the the spy who shagged me yeah no it's it's the it's the, the first one I think right he has what the French call a certain I don't know what. I don't know what <laughs> yeah I, I thought this was a good opportunity to talk about like parts of French cinema that we've never really talked about on the pod a guy we have talked about on the pod before is Luc Besson and he's written and directed and produced some fantastic movies over the years ones we've talked about a lot but ones we haven't talked about is Taxi uh, is a fun movie with great stunts and an edginess to it it ended up spawning four sequels which I haven't seen and a remake starring Queen Latifah yeah I do know that presumably awful but the original one is fun District B13 or 13 would that be takes the uh, plot of escape from new york and adds in some parkour via the guy david bell and sebastian foucault who was the crane running guy at the beginning of casino royale oh right yeah, um, yeah. and okay. one of the founders of free running and whatnot we, we really could have done with pete being here this week because his french accent is Oh man, I was getting like hot thinking about him talking about it. (laughs) That's really good, those movies. You know, it unfortunately, much like co host Peter, it unfortunately blows its wad early with two spectacular scenes right at the beginning introducing the main uh, characters. But we, you know, it's got likable heroes and entertaining villains. It's they're good. And then Kiss of the Dragon was another Luke Besson one. Do you remember this? It was like an ill fated attempt to introduce Jet Li to the. Market. Mm. It's memorable only for a scene where he does a flick up, keepy uppy with a snooker ball and uh, sort of volleys it into a guy's. Breaks his foot. F- yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I he was same. wearing steel toe <laughs> And really then hurt. he also did the script for Unleashed or the much cooler titled Danny the Dog. Anybody seen that movie? No. Uh, really. A really typical martial arts movie where the star, in this case Jet Li again, has, ra- has been raised in a cage from infancy to be a savage killer and wears a collar and he's trained by Bob Hoskins to beat up people who owe him money. And then obviously, you know, you know where the story goes from there. Jet Li meets a blind piano player played by <laughs> Morgan Freeman who teaches him about music and his daughter who, daughter who teaches him about love so he becomes non-violent. A tale as old as time. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, clearly this would have been a 
a laughable script, but it surprisingly wasn't. And it's got the legendary Yen Wu Ping, who does The Matrix and all the other wire foo stuff, doing the brutal animalistic martial arts that Danny Do- the Dog uses. Taken. Yeah, yeah. Taken, yeah. That's that another was classic. Leon? Yeah, that was a nice surprise, yeah. that one. Taken. It was... Uh, it, yeah, I enjoyed it. Just, but don't need all the fucking sequels. No. 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 I mean, you, yeah, the first one is preposterous, but then that, that she keeps getting taken. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake. Well, no. I think it's good that, like, the first one, it's like, this is normally a movie that would star, like, Jean-Claude Van Damme or Steven Seagal, but it's got, like, a guy who played, who was in, like, this. yeah, or Michael <laughs> Collins or Gang of, Gangs of New York or something, yeah. a serious actor. And they, they've started it as he's reached, you know, the other side of 50 to turn him into an action star. It's um, for us, yeah. Yes, yeah, still hoping. Well, people always say that, but then he was in Phantom Menace, he was in Batman Begins, he was in Dark Man right back in his career. So he he always was a bit big, of an action powerful man. action yeah. presence, and he's such. I think people just suddenly realised what a huge guy he was. Yeah, he's, bigger he's than that, really. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and just one last one on Luke Besson. He produced On Back. Have oh, did you seen he? that? Okay, brilliant, brilliant, right. Tony. I think what I said probably got lost in the mix there, but obviously Leon, Leon, yeah, which yeah. has Jean Reno. Named after yeah. a car. That that's the one Luc Besson <laughs> film I always think of, actually, because it was, I think, the first one. It's the one we I always saw. talk about, and it is. It's such brilliant. a cool movie. I mean, the, I just think of that last moment of of him exiting the building and grenades. Yeah, well, there's brilliant. still. I mean, there's other ones as well. We always talk about the Fifth Element as well, which I really like, and he's done loads of stuff. I think he's a bit rapey and stuff now, so he's another one who's gone like. Really? Yeah, I think so. Allegations and whatnot. No, I don't no, know. That sucks. Well, that's quite a wide-ranging, all-encompassing nomination. I've got one here that's the opposite of that. It's Benny the Jet Urquidez was, or probably is. Uh, a nine black belt uh, competitive fighter in the 1960s and 70s. And then he started taking on some movie roles. He was John Cusack's taekwondo instructor for years and years and years, right, right. back to when he was in Say Anything. His and, personal. Yeah. And he was in in Say Anything. I don't know if you've seen it. It's the one with the, no, but I just have the stereo. Of, the stereo. I just have visions of Elvis having like that karate guy and John well, Cusack. He, doing the same he plays a sort of college dropout character a bit of a sort of not doing so great and he's picking up the fact that he does taekwondo and this guy has been with trained him for that and then has stuck with him he's stuck with taekwondo ever since so in gross point blank the guy i think they call him a ghoul who's following martin ah is that guy. That's cool. Okay. And his name is Felix La Poubelle, which is French for the dustbin. The dustbin. <laughs> so it's going in. Brilliant. Wow. Okay, it's hard to argue Felix that. La Poubelle. Yeah. Great. They have a fight in the school, which was voted, like in a film magazine vote, but still, it was like the most realistic and brilliantly done mm. fight sequence no, of that really particular year. Mm. It's really cool. Talking of fantastic scenes, there's one in Rafifi, which is that black and white film that I've told you a couple of times. Mm. It, it, it does this real life in, you know, robbery as they go through the, the bottom of the, the building to break into the bank. And you're watching it in real time, silence, as they would do, you know, just getting the timing mm. of the, the banging of the, the chisels and everything just right. The and chisels, my nizzles. Exactly that. <laughs> it's it's fantastic. You, you really need to check this film out. I know you still haven't. I talked about it about a year ago, but it's been around since 1950-something. Another one 
What French. was the premiere like? It was decent. It was it was a rainy day. I just um, every but, time you say it, yeah. I think I want to see that, and then I also think it's a prequel to The Lion King about Rafiki. Rafiki, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the classic 1974 softcore pornography Emmanuel oh, okay. is one I couldn't resist talking about. Beaming centerfolds from magazines onto our TV screens, if you were lucky enough. Uh, they had so many spin-offs, the didn't they? Emmanuel, Emmanuel in space. space. Yeah. <laughs> Did you enjoy this film? I can't say I remember some a huge alone amount. It's, it's one of those where you watch it in sort of 10 or 15 minute chunks, isn't it? As long as that. Was it, was it <laughs> Channel 4 or Channel 2? Late 5, if you were lucky. It, you know, it's... There was naughtiness and whatnot. I think what I recall about it was about the virginal wife of a of a French diplomat to Thailand, and she was sort of propelled by her abandonment of her husband into various sexual liaisons. It was directed by the improbably named Just Jackin, which really looks <laughs> like the words Just Jackin or Juice Just Jacquin. Maybe that's got to be a pseudonym. It just looks. It must be. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it really does amuse me. This was from a less cynical time when playful and suggestive nudity was more than enough titillation. It didn't need to be all like cocks being rammed down throats and spit. And- oh, you didn't see the uh, the German versions then? They, <laughs> they gave it everything. I had seen bits of this, but it sort of it links into the, the next film I'm going to talk about, which is Belle de Jour. All right, which I had read about or just heard about which is a similar sort of vibe to Emmanuel it's, it's Catherine Deneuve Catherine of nine no and <laughs> she in this place she's in a kind of dead-end marriage and there's no sex life going on there so she ends up becoming this sort of cool girl and so I think it was on channel four it's another one I watched with my mum in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was all like excited. Oh, wow, this is this film I've heard about. It's got like, you know, it's Boots. French and it's going to be like hot women naked stuff. And it's it's not pornography. It's no. just like a little bit of titillation, but it's definitely not. Like I'd already seen stuff like Basic Instinct, which is, you know, way more exciting if that's what you're looking for. But this is, <laughs> it was quite fun. And it's probably actually a good film. But I was like a teenage boy, kind of yeah, kid, yeah. Like, hoping <laughs> yeah. for more, and I was a little bit let down. But you know, we've yeah. never spoken about Belle de Jour before. I don't think we have. And Catherine Deneuve is, is she is really beautiful. Yeah, I, I can't remember what she looks like. Blonde and hot. Sold. The red balloon. We have mentioned this on the pod before. Mm. It's another one. I didn't realize it was fifty-six. Yeah, it's only 35 minutes long. It, it won the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. And it follows the adventures of a young boy who finds a sentient mute red balloon. And, uh, a what? <laughs> red balloon. No, but, and mute. before that as well. What <laughs> sentient? Aren't all balloons mute? mute? No, the boy. Yeah, can't, no, can't is the talk. boy mute or the balloon? The, the, the balloon. The balloon doesn't speak at balloon. all. Balloon. Yeah. What are you it's saying there? Balloon. Balloon. B-L-O-O-N. Balloon. Balloon? Balloon? Balloon. Right. And how you teach sentient. me how to speak again, <laughs> <laughs> But right, the red balloon. Yeah, you've heard of it. I love it. It's a brilliant film. If you haven't heard of it, you can catch it, I think, on YouTube. It's 35 mm. minutes long. It's absolutely enchanting. Mm. You, you just can't stop watching it. For some reason, you, you just transfix for this for, for 35 minutes and yeah, back in in '56 when I went and watched it at the, at the cinema, <laughs> it was it won all the Oscars. I mean, the only film ever, a uh, short film to ever win Best Original Screenplay. Oh, nice! It's brilliant, and you can't believe that you'll end up in tears over a balloon by the end of it. Yeah, you 
The mute balloon. Mute, mute. Sentiment, sentiment balloon. Another director I like is Alexandre Arja, I want to say. He's French, is why I bring him up. He did the movie Haute, Haute, Haute Tension, a.k.a. High Tension, a.k.a. Switchblade Romance. So under three different ones. An interesting throwback to 70s slashes starring Marie and Alexia who go to a secluded farmhouse in the French countryside to study and end up being terrorised by a monosyllabic grunting redneck who starts killing everyone. I fucking hate it when that happens. The <laughs> best parts about the movie are that the killer is himself being chased by one of the girls, or at least is being followed, so it's doesn't really ah. know that. And also the killer likes to fillet himself with the decapitated heads of his victims as well, Don't which we, we see when he's introduced, which is cool. And it has the most ludicrous and ridiculous ridiculous plot twist in it really insane plot twist stupid plot twist in it which i don't think i want to spoil for everybody but if you've seen it you know what i'm talking about yeah but it makes the whole movie make absolutely no sense he also did horns did anybody see that it's an adaptation of the joe hill book no daniel radcliffe uh is sort of framed oh, or I've, for... I, yeah i remember seeing a, a trailer about it actually yeah it could be on the pod one day he ends up being implicated in the rape and murder of his girlfriend merrin and then one day he wakes up and he's got sort of satanic horns protruding from his head and people want to confess dark secrets to him it's it's pretty good and then he did crawl which is a sort of fun monster slash disaster movie where a woman gets trapped in an alligator sort of infested floridian town during a hurricane but he's got all this cool stuff i think he's really got a great movie in him this guy i think hollywood's gonna come really calling for him at some point i really like him this one is way back in 1929 even before my time <laughs> it's called un chien and a loup a dog and a what and a toilet. Oh. And, well, the English translation to that would be an Andalusian dog. It's directed by Luis Bunel and Salvador Dali, both of whom are Spanish, but the title is French and it's described as a Franco-Spanish. Does that mean... French Spanish yeah it, I haven't seen it but I don't know whether I have go on keep going it's real surrealist kind of thing but you know the the pixie song Debaser yeah um, is that the imagery of that is taken from the opening shot of this film it starts with a car that says once upon a time and then it has a man standing with a woman below him and then there's a shot of a razor blade and then it close up of her eye and then it cuts to something else and then it cuts back and the razor blade just goes right through her eye. It's obviously not her eye, but it's, it looks the way they've done you it. You never like know, you never know. And it's all that kind of surrealist imagery, as you can imagine, with someone like Dali involved in it. So oh. it's not a narrative kind of thing, but it's just it's fucking... It's the kind of thing we should get really fucked up and watch. Yeah, you know, that sounds put good. it on in here. So, un chien andalou. Oui, mm. okay. Uh, well, I have another French one, A Prophet. Did you ever see this? 2009 film. Um, Take a profit, don't be a profit, Dan. Well, mm. possibly, but this is stars like Take Tahir Rahim, the guy's name is, and Tahir Rahim. Okay. And he's imprisoned as a petty criminal of Algerian. He's a Muslim guy who goes into the prison, bit shy, bit reserved, comes out as one of the, the, the top boss, like, you know, mm. he's, he's risen through the ranks and the story of how he kind of gets there. It, it's really good. It, it's drugs and assassins and things like that in it but he he gets himself into the corsican mafia and and um as well as the the muslim side of things in in prison and starts running things this way yeah it was a a decent film 2009 if, if somebody had recommended that to me but i wasn't sure about that person so right I didn't take the recommendation <laughs> 
I still well, feel a bit like that. It was a hit at the box office. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I watched it not at the cinema, but through DVD or something and worth worth a watch. I've got a double dose, a real two for one here, which I think you're going to enjoy. I've got Gerard Depardieu, okay. who is French. Wait. I don't know whether yeah. you know. And Asterix in the same film, because it is, of course, Asterix and Obelix versus Caesar. Hmm. Anyone seen that? 1996 no. No, I remember live it being action about, Yeah, Who played Asterix? Oh, some... Person. Claude. <laughs> yeah, okay. Claude someone. Is it good? It's probably way better than you'd expect. The special effects are pretty good and the design of the world is pretty good. They really sort of bring it to life. I didn't really care much for the uh, card, you know, the comic books. Oh, I did. So I really liked them. It didn't. I never particularly liked it, but it's it's kind of Popeye-esque thing right. to it, doesn't it? Because he drinks a potion yeah, yeah, yeah. and he becomes sort of nigh on invulnerable and there's giant Obelix, you know, play Depardieu plays Obelix. Ob- mm. Obelix. Yeah, Obelix, yeah. Um, the guy who made the potions was called Get a fix. Get a fix, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I don't know. All sorts of crazy stuff. And then in Dumb and Dumber, I believe they asked for the soup du jour. <laughs> <laughs> it's the soup of the day. Mm, that sounds good. I'll have that. And then I thought about how Hollywood invariably. Portrays... Oh, the other, sorry, there's another Dumb and Dumber bit where he says we're going to Aspen. I don't know. The French <laughs> <Yeah>. are assholes. <laughs> The Paris industry. <laughs> the Hollywood usually portrays the French in kind of one or two ways, mostly. It's either as like snooty superior types. And it made me think of that terrific Steve Martin movie, LA Story. And there's, there's a restaurant in it called Le Idiot, where you have to show your bank balance to be able to go in. <laughs> or being really cowardly, like in Mars Attacks, where the French president <laughs> signs a peace treaty, which involves him completely surrendering. And then he's just gets vaporized. Yeah, that's nice, isn't it? Also accurate. Inspector Clouseau is someone that we all really enjoy. And he has been portrayed by a number of actors. Most memorably, the Peter Sellers version is probably what we all think of first. Yeah, who else has done it? Well, also Alan Arkin in 1968 film Inspector Clouseau and a cameo by Roger Moore in the 1983 film The Curse of the Pink Panther. Roger Moore was credited as... Turk Thrust the Second. <laughs> Turk, Turk Thrust the Second. <laughs> so I'm not nominating a particular film, just the character of Inspector Clouseau, yeah. or Chief Inspector, as he became known. I've got a, a Ridley Scott joint. Do you know which one it was? Mm. Ridley Scott, a French Ridley yeah. Scott movie. French Ridley Scott. Oh, The Year in Provence, is it? it I've not seen it. Yeah, it is called uh, A Good Year. A Good Year. And yeah. it's Russell Crowe who inherits uh, a vineyard. He's a high power, something or other, who hasn't got time for this, but then finds that he didn't have time for what he was doing. <laughs> that kind of film. But it's decent. Yeah, no, he does wife- it well. Good actors good director it'll just make you want to sit and have cheese and wine yeah and chill the fuck out yeah my wife's read the book and yeah (laughs) (laughs) my wife can read (laughs) is is that you know you've got any more do you want to empty your soul bear your french soul damn je m'appelle je m'appelle voulez vous (laughs) there's been a disappointing lack of french here it's really annoying that pete isn't yeah what are you like with your French accent? Can you speak any French? Oui. <laughs> <laughs> no. Side. Would you give? Do you give it a go in France? Yeah. If you're in France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm considering taking up French lessons. Actually, as ah. it happens, I was looking at it online before oh. this was nominated. Is your French get buyable now? I mean, I might like tourist is tourist fr- French. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you, Riggs? Same. I think I. 
could get back in the groove because I was okay at French yeah, back same. in the day. So, and I look at people and hear people who are multilingual. I think that's a really good skill oh, to have. Yeah. And we're so close to France, and you know, I would think we would holiday more there. You know, I just if you think can speak the language. Well, it makes perfect sense to. to I've got speak a sort of foundation French. of it. I think it would be easy-ish to build on that. I've you know. always thought if I just point. Enough. <laughs> I'll get what I, I want. Don't speak loud. <laughs> yeah. I remember on holiday and a guy, this is in Spain actually, but a guy trying to explain to the, the Spanish person at behind the counter of the, the concierge or whatever, they needed stamps and the guy not knowing what he meant. And he was going, you know, stamps. He's like stamping his foot. <laughs> Gaspar Noe. Mm-hmm. No, you know, Wait. any of his stuff, he did Irreversible, which is a extremely dis disturbing and depressing rape movie with monica bellucci raw and confrontational much of it being improvised but it saturday was saturday morning viewing yeah is it monica bellucci who gets raped yes i could be up for that <laughs> no you really there's like no no and the first 30 minutes of the movie has this sort of noise this low frequency noise oh, really? designed to make you feel sick nice um yeah uh, fun fact it has a club called the rectum in it, which was a genuine gay S and M club, so that's that's nice for them to be in there. He also did Enter the Void. You seen that one? Name of your sex tape. Yeah. <laughs> Entirely filmed from the point of view of Oscar, an English guy living in Tokyo. He gets shot and killed in the movie, and then we, as the audience and the character, experience uh, a sort of out of body thing interspersed with flashbacks of his life. It's got great long takes and stuff. You get a scene where you flash back to the death of your parents as you sit in the back seat of a car. Crazy, crazy movie with incredible camera work and huge like pretentiousness about it. You, you know, a lot of people would watch it and just hate it and say what the fuck was that that's that's a good one and also i was pissing by the door when i heard two shots you were holding in your hand a smoking goon you are clearly the guilty potty hello hello yeah it's good i did like that when i was a kid don't know if we're allowing tv series oh well i've got one oh go on well it's uh dog tanyan in the three musket hands oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As well, yeah. which is the superior version of the d'artagnan story of alexander dumas fame i'm always surprised when they're not dogs yeah. whenever there's a movie <laughs> and they announce it's like his neck oh there's a new three yeah, musketeers the, the, and you're like, oh, and the, yeah. the mice and all that sort of stuff i honestly thought it was dog tanyan i thought that yeah <laughs> that well yeah because that yeah. this was my first introduction to this yeah this story as a kid i was really thinking about because i'm nominating this week and i was gonna thinking about picking this but i went for something else <laughs> I'm going to go for the Ethan Hawke, Julie Deppi film before sunset. There was, I think after there was one before sunrise and then after sunset were the other ones. This was the middle of that trilogy. Um, Richard Linklater. And I really love his films. I, I think It sounded just, like he linked later yeah, and then he linked before. He, he came in and linked it all together. <laughs> and they're just such sweet, lovely films. And this is a couple that were kind of due to be together. They met by chance and then... 10 years later they meet again and and this is the the result and this they're still in love it's it's brilliant i really love these films and if you haven't seen them you should go and check it out delicatessen was the it predated amelie by 20 years but it's by the guys who did it mark caro and jean-pierre jeunet there's some good french names for you a surrealist black comedy involving sort of cannibalism and romance in the same breath and often sometimes <laughs> yeah. in the same scene. It's got a sort of Terry, Terry Gilliam vibe to it. It's okay. pretty good. I would recommend that one if you're a cannibal 
romance completist. <laughs> Amelie's really cool too. But I, I've got it, but I've mentioned it before. I don't want to discuss it because I keep meaning to watch it with the missus and I think she'd really like it. So I want no spoilerage on that one. We'll just, just nominate it one week because I would... I could have nominated it this week, but I haven't. A couple of more character names. Le Chiffre from well, Casino Royale, principally, yeah. is French for... The goat, is it? or No, the cipher or the number or any number of things, but I think they mean... Le, le, oh, Chevre, I think I'm thinking of. Goat. Yeah, but even better than him is Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Yeah. I fucking love Next Generation. I really fucking love it. The series more than the films, but Star Trek First Contact is, for me, a fucking 10 out of 10. I love it. I um, haven't seen it. Oh, mate. I mean, it depends if you like that. I don't mind this kind of You're not, stuff. This it's is like the origin well. of, well, obviously First Contact, but it's a Borg story and they're always the strongest um, ones now. And it's going back to the original warp flight, how they get. And it's Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Huddersfield Town fan. Big fan of yours. Yeah. And then he goes on to make the series Picard, which unfortunately is a bit shit. Do you reckon we could get him on the pod because you used to play for the team that he sports? No. Um, you you would t- tell him stories about, yeah, that's what we should do. Have you seen him on Extras where he's a pervert? <clears throat> yeah. It's fucking brilliant. And the, then you the just... bloopers where him and Ricky Gervais are trying to get through this thing about he keeps writing all these stories where women are naked. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. It's lol out to, lol funny. I have to check that one out as well. Yeah, well, I've got a few more. Just the Born Identity, that was shot in, in France. All over Europe. Um, all over Europe. Raiders of the Lost Ark, that was shot in La Rochelle, which isn't far mm. from where we are. Yeah. In Casablanca, there's a, a few minutes of, of kind of flashback scenes of them in Paris before the war, going down the Champs-Élysées and, and all the rest of it. So the Transporter... Another one mm-hmm. that was pretty action-packed, but... Besson and someone else as well. Yeah. I Midnight- think the first one's garbage, but then they got better. It's like the Fast and Furious ones. Yeah, they, they, they've they done okay. He surprised me, mm. Jason Statham, because he did... Lock Stock was the first thing I ever remember seeing him in. And out of all those actors, I didn't really at the time... You know, I liked his character and everything, but I didn't see him becoming the, the star mm. in action mm. films that mm. he's, he's mm. gone on to become. No. Well, more fool you, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> because he's proved you wrong, hasn't he? I probably drove him on that. <laughs> I, I'll mention uh, Midnight in Paris as well, which was the Owen Wilson film with it's The Strange a, Man's... He's yeah. had a few noms online already. Yeah. yeah I okay. hated that. Yeah, you didn't like it, did you? Yeah, really. That, yeah. Don't get you. I don't understand why. Well, listen to the episode, Dan, and you can film. hear my no, reasons. Still, I... Well, just <clears throat> in The Matrix Reloaded, the Merovingian has a cool bit of... Did I get his name right there? I hope I did. I think Merovingian. So. He's got a cool bit of French. And yeah. He, he says that it's brilliant to swear in, and he's right, and oh, then he does right. swear. And I've got it here, but I just won't do it justice if only Pete was here. If, do you reckon we could, like... Get him to say it and then edit it in, or is that just bonkers, crazy, never going to happen? Here's Pete now. And he said, yeah, it's brilliant. That must have been directed at you. Yeah, almost certainly. Right, shall we make this a top sank? Yeah. Go on then, Dan. Wait, I'm going to... Wait, it's going to be a top catcher, is it? Or top Well, you can put two in. We could do a top You can put two in. And we'll have someone back next week, I'm sure. Yeah, okay. Right, yeah. Well, I'm going to put in the Intouchables as the first selection. Okay. Riggs? 
I am going to go for Enter the Void. Okay, I'm going for Gross Point Blank with uh, Felix Lapoubelle. Nice. If I was going to name one more, a red balloon. The red balloon. <laughs> a red balloon. Any red balloon. Cool. Right, well, that leaves one space, or possibly two, depending on how we decide to play things, for our listeners. So let us know what you reckon. Mm. Merci. Yes. Please, please cheese me now. Nice. We do have cheese. Yeah, we've we've tried to keep the, the cheese love alive. And, in Pete's uh, absence. That's right. I, I chipped in with a couple of blues. Yeah, it looks like a Stilton and some other kind of blue. Yeah, that's it. I contributed a couple. We've got an Applebee's Farmhouse Cheshire, mm. which is a raw cow's milk cheese, mellow with a deep savoury flavour, handmade at the Applebee family dairy with milk from their own cows. So they didn't steal the milk. They used milk from their own cows. That's good to know. Now, we have had a complaint, actually, from a listener, Vimesy, mm. who did say uh, that he wanted to know a little bit more about the biscuit pairing. And I said, if there's a red wine as well, sometimes that too. So what is the biscuit you've chosen? Sometimes we have quite sort of posh Celebrity biscuits. Crackers, yeah. And I'm not really a fan. So today it's quite basic. Well, today, Essential Retros and Patterners, high-bake water biscuit. And what is it? Does um, it have a description on it as being succulent in any way? Or, um... No. Um, what I can tell you about that is it's 59p for a yeah, packet. <laughs> and grams. if you go yeah. for what you would normally associate with a traditional cheese cracker would be the Jacobs. Mm-hmm. Same thing as that, but they're like £1.95. Mm-hmm. So that was that was shopping smart. Yeah. I like those kind of crackers because they are basic, but they do let the cheese. Wait, when you say Jacobs, like a square yeah. cracker, yeah. I, I do like that. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we have had the ones with little bits of rosemary in lately, haven't we? I don't We've really had, vibe um... too much of those. No, I and... like the cheese to do the talking. Well, part of the, the bugbear I have with it is that they tend to disintegrate when you're putting stuff on them as well. Like, right. That's fucking irritating. That's a sturdy biscuit, that. They, they, hold, their, they hold their own. I yeah. do like the option of having like a sort of digestive-y type one. That's or, my favourite, uh, the Hovis. Yeah. Are yeah. they too much for me with, with cheese? No, I like those. What I used to do when I was at school, uh, part of my secret eating regime was to go home um, and then when no one's around, I'd get the Hovis and layer them up with so much butter. It was like fucking unreal, like an inch thin. Because yeah, they're quite dry. if you Like a centimetre thick of butter yeah. and then just eat like five of them like that. And then I think, mm, oh, I've not had enough yet. No. And go back and do more. It's hard to believe I had gallstones at, at just 19 years of age. <laughs> My missus could eat butter like that. Yeah. Oh, and she can read as well. God, I'm so good at that. She can do it all. Yeah. So that's cheese for you. These cheeses... I don't know about you, but I'm not getting a huge aroma in the room of cheese. No. No, they're not overpowering, are they? They're not too... No, but aromas does segue very nicely into this week's movie, Dan, which you nominated. Yeah, it's Perfume, the story of a murderer. And you hadn't seen this before, had you? Didn't know it existed. I I asked you not to watch any trailers or something and go into it as I did that first time. I've got the German here. Can anybody do German? I've got got it. Uh, The Germans can do German well. I didn't do German at school. I did Spanish. So, well, it's Das Parfum, die Geschichte einer Mörder. Okay. Okay. Mm. Nice. So, there you go. I like that, yeah. Based on a book? It is based on a book and... Best-selling book, if you don't mind. Yeah, it was quite the hit. And 
in the first few moments of this film, you've got... I remember watching it and thinking, oh, I like a film about pirates. I don't know why. It, was, <laughs> it, it just had that feel, you know. There is, he's, he's in shackles in a jail, which is a really kind of squalid jail, it seems like, in the catacombs or hmm. of a... a well, big... you just see his nose first emerge yeah. from the darkness. Yeah, I felt like I was being targeted. In this, you this were movie. seen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they do well in this film, and we'll talk about it, but yeah. obviously you can't smell the film... The way that the film shot with its close-ups and everything of, you know, whether it be maggots or, or very close to somebody's nose and, and that kind of thing, you you do kind of get a sense of it, a smell around the the imagery, yeah, the, which the, is clever. The cold open of the movie, though, like you say, is this jail, is his nose, and he is let out to be sentenced, effectively. It's Ben Whishaw. Did you hear what his sentence was? It Well, it's not great. It was going to be dealt 12 blows with a metal rod and hanged on a cross until he's dead, amongst other things. I would have thought the 12 blows would do the job. Mm. Because it sounded like they were 12 blows to break pretty much every bone. Yeah. And one was on the head, so surely, anyway, it was pretty fucking good. They wanted him to suffer. Yeah. The crowd are chanting. It's a vicious mob. Yeah. They Mm. want their bloodthirsty Mm. and they want their sacrifice. So we, we flash immediately back to the very beginning of his life to find out, you know, what's led us to this point. And there were some pretty significant trigger warnings. Well, there, yeah. And, and there's, I mean, we do go right, right to the, the beginning because his mother gives birth to him in the fish market where she works, but she's right at the squalid kind of stinking market table when the, the pains of labour overwhelm her and she has uh, a baby she kicks it away well she's had four or five before we yeah. are all stillborn yeah she kicks it away but he was loud he shouted he made a claim yeah, for it life was, it was quite hard that bit watching it with the missus as well she's a bit like not cool with that and then there was a, there's a scene in the orphanage where they try and smother the baby with a pillow which is fucking not cool, fucking that yeah it starts off quite yeah strong yeah in in that regard so yeah a few few you know the hardest moments really mm. the, the film are right at the beginning and then it it kind of moves on to the point where this little boy we're told grown. he has this gift yeah strange gift well I, yeah it is a strange gift it's a more impressive superpower than you might first think the abilities to smell because we get it shown that he can sort of evade projectiles can't he yeah it's giving him a sort of spider sense yeah yeah he he can dodge a rotten apple thrown at him by a a fellow orphan when he can smell it coming and but he can really accurately say what shit is yeah, he can close his eyes and chart the world around him, just visualising from the smells and everything. Mm. And he kind of travels almost through water at stage and, and sees the, the frog spawn yeah, and, yeah. and all this kind of stuff. So his sense of smell is just, you know, otherworldly. It's My missus is a bit like that. I know, again, I know I'm talking <laughs> oh, about she oh can read. God, I, know, over it. I know, but and also she was berating me the other day for not being in the podcast, but it's true she has got a terrific sense of smell. We went to some 
posh place, Harrods. <laughs> and uh, we went downstairs to the wine tasting thing and they've got like that, like a suitcase with like a hundred different smells in a, in a little jar. And she was absolutely shit hot at like, she'd pick one up and be like, oh, that's like burnt toast or whatever. And it like, it would be burnt toast and they had charcoal and whatever. For me, I was like, it's like brown. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> yeah. It, it's um, it's so extraordinary gift, and he's he's already kind of predestined to become a perfumer, if you like, because he's he's picked up a twig and a, what else? A leaf, an apple, and he, he oh, there's the apple tree. He's putting it all together in his young mind, and some time passes on, and he's too well, he, old to be an orphan, and he gets sold to the mm. tannery for like seven francs. Yeah. Yeah, and then she was just like needlessly murdered after that transaction. Yes. I didn't really get what they were. Yeah. Well, it was just that it was rough neighbourhood, I suppose. It was a rough neighbourhood and because it's narrated, isn't it? Over the John top. Hurt is narrating. Yeah. So he works hard at the tannery and he's good at it and he takes his beatings well. So he's an, allowed an element of freedom that he otherwise wouldn't be. And he's, he's sent off to Paris to do a delivery. Mm-hmm. This this is after a good few years. I mean, oh, now yeah. he now oh, we're, we're earn your beatings. Yeah, we're we're in um in Ben Wishaw's character. Yeah, who's now. not what Robert Sheehan from last week's movie? They're no, no, different. Yeah, he ends up well. It's intoxicating being in a new city, new smells. He sort of seeks them out. You know, I mean, you can't describe how powerful smells are to this guy and paris is this thing and then suddenly he comes across a new scent of a woman yes well he, he wants to try to capture every smell i mean he he just wants to know what it is and yeah he's he he finds himself following this this girl selling oranges or something just the plum plum girls. plums yeah mm. she's just known as the plum girl is this before or after he's met the hoffman before okay we'll edit that out he he's a little bit overzealous with with this lady shall we say well yeah. she's startled by him it's a complex scene where you're not entirely sure what his intentions are mm. or how he's going to be received well, it's her it, scent isn't it it just draws him to her yeah and he's we haven't really emphasized enough the struggle he's had in life to get to this point is really obscene to be honest i mean he's been tortured basically throughout his entire yeah, life a, a lot of the i think they say a lot of them didn't live very long in the tannery well the he, movie sets him up as an anti-hero we've seen him as uh, chained up at the beginning now we've seen his awful life and then so what it makes what happens next kind of grayer than it maybe is in retrospect which is he grabs the plum woman because he's frightened of being rumbled by yeah passerbys and he puts a hand over her mouth to stop her screaming so as to avoid being alerted to yeah but he accidentally is what the film shows i think yeah he suffocates her yeah that's also quite a traumatic thing to watch yeah it, it is and and as she falls to the ground he he doesn't scarf her he, no he hangs around a bit and he he starts to to smell her and, mm. and sniff her and he can't get enough and she smells good she smells great and that that scent but as her spirit kind of is ebbed out of her as is her scent and he you can see him trying to trying to get find it, on his hands it and, get it on his hands yeah. and rub it into himself but that's it it's gone and the greatest smell that he's ever smelt has disappeared and he can't find it anywhere else again he's sort of all animalistic instinct at this point like, almost mm. like a dog or something yeah. you know it is the way he's in the world well, they um, have a good sense of smell they do 
They do. After this, then, we're introduced to the former master perfumer. That's what he's in Paris for, isn't it? To yeah. deliver him some... Some, some hides. That's right. Yeah, and it's... Giuseppe Baldini. Yeah, played by Dustbin Hoffman. Yeah. <laughs> the cast in this was really something. Yeah. Did you expect to see Dustin turn no. up? No, I didn't. No, so he, he's he's all dressed up in White the face. typical French outfit of the day with all looking a little bit tired, though. Looks like it was... The best oh, days were behind Yeah, him, the yeah. best days behind mm. him. A bit dust, too much dust on the shelves. And you can see other perfumeries having more success than he him. Says, he says to his assistant, right, I'm going to go and do some work. No one's to disturb me. And he sits in front of this big array of, you know, scents that he's going to try and... But he's just copying someone, isn't he? Well, he's yeah. trying to work out. Your rival has presented a new perfume to the market called Armour and Psyche. Yeah. And he's trying to sort of reverse engineer yeah. what it is because, as we're sort of explained quite cleverly, each each perfume in the world or scent is made up of 12 individual. There are three sets of four chords. So it's like a yeah. musical thing and it's all tying in with the music. I love all that. Uh, so he's, he, he comes in, doesn't he? Grand oui, Jean-Baptiste Grand oui, Ben Wishaw's cat, our tortured yeah. hero. And he says that he can make the smell. I, I can do that. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's wants to go at it and he doesn't need the, the labels, which is just as well because he can't read anyway. Mm. But his sense of smell, even through the glass jars, is able to reproduce the competitor's perfume but he says well actually i can make it better you know i can i can do more of this for you and and suddenly dustin hoffman has his perfumer again i mean he's got the the guy who can make the best smelling perfume france has ever smelled and he tells him that you can extract a scent or capture the the scent of anything yeah and encourages him to experiment so he comes back one day and he's having a bit of a, a breakdown because he hasn't been able to capture the scent of some metals, wasn't it? Copper. copper. Uh, yeah. Some copper, some stone. In, into this kind of delicate equipment. Because he says things like, oh, well, I, he says something about, I can smell glass. And the guy's like, well, no, you can't smell glass. He's like, yeah, glass has a smell, but he can't capture those smells for anyone else. And he wants to be able to capture anything in, in his perfume. Yeah. And um, he, he encourages him to experiment. So he's done his, his metals and whatnot, but then he, he pulls a cat out of the fucking what the distillery. Fuck? It's yeah. absolutely disgusting. Mm. Yeah, he, he's he's had a go at all kind of mad but then stuff. A lot of killers, they do begin on animals. Yeah. So there's a little... A little hint a there. A little hint of what's to come. Yeah, it, it's, it's, pretty, it, it's pretty weird. I mean, in his mind, it, he just can't believe that he can't do this and he actually gets very ill doesn't he He, he well and also hoffman has told him this incredible story about how they opened an egyptian tomb and found us a um perfume that was so perfect that it caused everyone to believe that they were in paradise or something so he he's you know he's filled with these ideas of the grandeur and the power yeah yeah that perfume can can hold but i mean he just wants to know how to preserve it that's his Mm. kind of life um, target now he wants to be able to basically get the scent and keep it forever and it's frustrating to him when he just doesn't have the technology to do it but on his kind of deathbed he's told actually there is a way i i can be i you know we can well he tells him of a different technique yeah. on the fleurage mm. uh in yeah. this city of grass 
which is a different method of pres- preservation and and Gromwe hopes that he might be able to capture the yeah the sense he he can't and capture he, the way on the way he, there's a really bizarre sequence where he just sort of suddenly I didn't see the thing that caused him to do it, but he just isolates himself in a cave for like seven or eight years. They talk over the voiceover about the duration of the seven year war. He just hid away in a cave just to get away from everybody. Where there was no smell. That's, mm. that's right. He went because he, he finds out that he has no smell either. But well, I mean, that's to, what makes him depressed. It that And it's really important that he finds that he has no smell. Yeah. And it, well, it, before this, slightly, he's it's worth mentioning that the uh, the tanner who bought him from the orphanage also dies after selling him to Dustin Hoffman, who, when he lets him go with a hundred perfumes, so his business can go. You, this brilliant scene of the entire house falling in over because it's the been river. creaking all yeah, the while. Yeah. And you think, well, what's going on there? And he says, it's fine. Every time, it's just fine. Oh, it's, it's fine. Finally, yeah. it's not fine. And that's the end of dustbin. <laughs> yeah. And the the entire building just just totals down into the sea. So each time somebody leaves him or he leaves somebody's life, that they find that that's the end. Their fate has been tied in with his, and and they're going to die soon afterwards. So he's he's headed to grass now after these years in a cave, mm. and he he sets out for a, a new job. He wants to try to preserve this scent, doesn't he? On fleurage. On fleurage. The the first sort of memorable encounter he has is with a, a prostitute and he starts to cover her in this animal fat and she's like oh you're a bit kinky you know this is a, a bit of she's a weird into one. it at first she says she? Oh, i've seen all kinds of weird stuff but this is like right up there <laughs> and then she glances at the floor and he's got this kind of um scythe scythe kind of knife Sickle. blade yeah. which is not cool with her and he's already started to wrap her in a kind of bandage you know she's yeah, she's not into it's, this it's now. a level too far she's, for she's her. gone above weird to now being quite dangerous she's given the money back so she throws the money at him tells him to piss off yeah so he clubs her doesn't he and that's the the first kind of part of the enfuage enfuage yeah it's a single blunt force trauma to the head mm. each is the mo right yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's and then his he, style. He, he's, they, he's covered them in this animal fat and i'm not sure what the it's a kind of scythe that he scrapes then all the fat off uh, but he's wrapped them in what it's like well, it, that must come with him in cloth and and that sort of strains the grease from the fabrics and you mix it with alcohol it's evaporated and then it just leaves the uh, extracted scent in its pure form uh, i don't know whether you noticed dan but because there's quite a lot of technical detail in the scenes of the like and they were using an a2 conical flask uh, really oh, i thought you would spot well, that wouldn't well, you? i mean you probably did spot that i'm sure it's a classic of course well <laughs> After this, anyway, the city of Grass is met with a load of murders and you've got the local kind of rich guy, well, He's discovered Rickman. he can preserve their scents. Well, yeah, he, he's got them in this big vat. He's got a job in a perfumery factory who they're quite happy letting him experiment mm. and doing his, his mad kind of extractions. They don't know what's it going on. It does become increasingly ridiculous, though. And, and he's and like just draping a big yeah. like thing over the... He's got a tarpaulin over it. Yeah. Uh, 
a gigantic formaldehyde jar of a with a dead body in it. Yeah, yeah. and, and that's no all. That's... Like, What's in there? <laughs> oh, you can't see. He's, he's protecting the flowers from daylight. That's the yeah. the experiment that he's saying is going on. But you've got then Alan Rickman turn up. Yeah. Uh, so I do Ant- like Alan Rickman. Antoine Richies, and he's uh, desperate to protect his innocent do- daughter from the killer because she's the most beautiful. And um, of course, any he he starts to clue it together a little bit because they have these series of talks and and kind of town meetings that he goes to, and he's saying. Look, this guy's collecting something. He's put. I mean, it was a big leap, but mm. he got there. She. They go to a garden party. The girl. Oh, yeah, in the they, maze. Yeah, yeah. But they're basically they're sent off to play hide and seek. Was that just like actually go and play hide and seek because they're only about like sixteen, or was it like go and have a quick hand job and fumble in the maze? Well, I think it was all of that back in the day. You know, yeah. I mean, impropriety. That's out the eyes in the maze. That would have been the one place that maybe a stolen glance becomes a little bit more. And, you know, in any kind of film, once there's a maze involved, you know, somebody's in for the high jump here. I mm. mean, it's and, and sure enough, but it's not at this stage, the girl you think it's going to be the uh, Alan Whitmer's daughter. It's uh, the twins, isn't it? Yeah. The twins go at this yeah. stage. Molly. I don't know. if that's And we see him bludgeoned and mm. preserved for their scent. And he kind of dumped almost, in the river. Almost scalps them as well. It takes, mm. takes, yeah, he takes their hair. Their hair yeah. And we don't know this, but we find out a little bit later. He, he kind of puts them in a shallow grave, all these clothes and everything, because later on, as he's that rumbled, the, the dog he scratches along and finds mm. the, the first bit of evidence. And it's funny that actually that, that part of the, the story, and I've jumped on a little bit, but just the fact of who gets, who finds that. Do you know the the guy that found the dog pulling it over these clothes and hair? I remember the scene, but right, what's oh, the... well, well, he's the one that gets actually blamed. For... Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Well, we're we're up to. Oh, so basically, he's been he's trying to put together this. He knows that he needs thirteen cents to make a perfume, and he's got his eyes on rickman's daughter for scent number 13 that mm. he needs to create this perfect perfume and he does get her well they they convict someone first they they say that they've caught the killer mm. because obviously the town's in panic i've can't remember if it was a curfew or not but alan rickman's like that's not how he kills that's not what the murderer has been doing you know this is bullshit and they guy's... just tortured a confession yeah, they tortured a confession and this this killer is still at large so he gets very protective and paranoid as mm. you, I'm sure you would about protecting his daughter so he moves them away was there some evidence that he'd already been st- stalking I can't remember there was, oh, well, he's he creepy did... as fuck he's always around everywhere yeah. like prying the, around they have an and... argument don't they at the party and sure enough our perfume is there watching mm. her and she has an argument with dad and then goes down the the some of the the alleys that are going and he's waiting just mm. around the next corner mm. and alan rickman oh there you are he calls after his daughter she comes running back and mm. the next day it it was but you you could feel the atmosphere that one more step and she was gone and it was right let's get her out of here they do and it's quite an elaborate plan, really, because he yeah. he he sets off two parties. There's a, a fork in the road, one going south, one going north. And he lets everybody think that he's taken the south road. And mm. there's just two riders dressed 
disguise that go to the north road. He can smell them from a good, what, kilometre away? I found this least. bit fucking ludicrous. Well, it, well but the, it's the kind scent. of been like a fantasy fairy tale all yeah. the way through sort of thing. So I went with this stuff. Well, yeah, he, he asked, doesn't he, the guy at the door, is, is, is he left? Is he left? And he goes, yeah, he, he went south. And he, he stays at the fork of the road and he looks back. Are you sure? He just, and he follows his nose and, and heads off and picks the road that they end up arriving at this little kind of coastal town. In the next morning, they're going to take a, a trip to an island, which is a monastery on it. And she's going to be locked away there. Well, she's almost like Rapunzel. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. She's, she's been married off yeah. to a, a, an older guy that nearly kind of wandered off with her in the maze yeah so she, she's in this room that has one window and one door and, and alan rickman locks the door so he's not going in that way and he has i think he, he has a nightmare first right yes he, he wakes in. up like <gasps> yeah and the windows open but she's still there oh because um creepy ben wishaw has snuck in stolen the key for her bedroom unlocked it mm. gone in there yeah yeah, I mean, that, th- this is it. And he's already... So the, the dream eff- effectively comes true. You don't see him hit her over the head or anything. Uh, but in the morning... You just see Rickman open the door and the reaction. Yeah. She's another, another fucking trigger warning. Redhead. Not anymore. Well, <laughs> yeah, she, her head, was, very her head was, was shaved. Was of- and he, he got her sent and he's kind of distilling it on the hill as the, the police then come hmm. and close in on him and he's just finished it and he's got these drops that he's put into a little vial a little mm. perfume vial and he puts that in his pocket and cue then the beginning of the insanity where we came in yes it, things start to fucking escalate here for me pretty quickly because alan rickman confronts him and says when you're fucking dead you know or when not when you're dead when you're dying when you've been hit with the 12 things I'll be staring into your eyes and he gives this really long impassioned speech about how he'll be reveling. You know, that's his revenge. You're captured. You're fucking going to die. A yeah. painful, horrible fucking death. So we get the executioner being marched out and everyone's cheering. cheering They're yeah. fucking super psyched for this. And eventually he's brought out and it just goes fucking cuckoo bananas yeah. at this point. Well, the, the, the fear that he has installed in everybody has just meant the whole town has filled the square and the, there's the, the priest, anybody who's anyone is there. Mm. They're ready to see this guy absolutely pay for, for what he's done. And he puts a couple of drops of the perfume. Is it remiss of them to allow him to have yeah, that on? Yeah, he, he's, he's found this. He's, he's hidden He's well dressed crack. up as well. But that happens well, afterwards. Well, he puts, he's in, yeah. in prison and he's just about to be taken away. And he puts a single drop of the perfume that he's created out of the sense of all these women. And the guards sort of instantly sort yeah. of back away and he takes their clothes and then mm. so when he turns up at the the thing to have him executed you're already a bit like what the fuck is going on here mm. because he's sort of seemingly in control well, of this yeah situation. now now he's in a uh, a fine blue velvet suit yeah. and he's been drawn there by a, a lovely ornate horse-drawn carriage mm. and he turns up in the middle of the the square with a, a handkerchief it's got a little bit of perfume on and he he kind of whirls and and floats this wafts it into the crowd mm. who suddenly sort of aren't so hateful and spiteful anymore and um well they're the, silent the, 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 yeah, the, 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 the executioner this is, man's innocent yeah 
this man's innocent and and surely the soon enough the whole crowd start saying it, it to the point where someone calls him an angel the priest yeah. uh calls him he's an angel he's and an angel, his yeah. scent and the 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 perfume that he's created because it's not his scent it's the perfume he's created has suddenly just made everybody delusional and and having a, a huge kind of well, episode yeah well it's very predictable where it would go next <laughs> with this which the crowd is, is fucking lapping this up so much so yeah that they, they they just start having a huge orgy and everybody's taking their their clothes off yeah every... didn't see a single dick though did you i don't even remember. on pause <laughs> oh, very but i thought would the families have been there because yeah but I, they're french yeah, maybe it's best not well, to think uh, about that. So yeah, they have a huge orgy, which of course is a, is a massive surprise and is just as bizarre as it sounds. It's a big, big fucking orgy. This is uh, not what like a scene to 10 have, people. What a scene to have shot if you're Penn Wishaw because you're the only person dressed within a, like a, a football pitch Pitching a of, of yeah. somebody, of all these people just stripping off and, and having a massive orgy. Even the priest, Alan Rickman. Well, he defies he, he, he's the, the for, one, isn't for a he? while, doesn't he? He gets close to him with yeah. a sword, I think. He, he He's the one that, that kind of seems immune to it. His hatred for the killer of his daughter is still pumping through his veins. So he, all the way to the stage, he's still holding the sword, but... The closer he gets, even he can't resist. And he, he calls him his son and hugs him. And uh, that's kind of the scene. <laughs> Just breaks away to all these people having it off. And as slowly as they as he wanders out... Well, the um, voiceover kicks in again, yeah. doesn't it? Well, th- there's an important moment, which I only caught when I re-watched it today because I wasn't satisfied. I understood fully what was happening in that scene right at the end of the orgy and all that where Rickman's been sort of overpowered now and he's godlike there but he saw he i think what happens is he reimagines the scene with the plum girl at the beginning but as a kind of tender loving romantic relationship and so he's got all this adulation but all he wants is love is kind of what i was trying to understand and he couldn't is i think is what they were saying right it was about I think also maybe that he he feels that he has acquired what he set out to get that first scent that that smell the the perfume he has made mm. because there's the narrator tells us he could then have gone to do anything he could kings, take over the world many times over or something yeah, yeah kings would have bowed um to him he was just you know he was god over, uh, he was yeah godlike. He, he was he was godlike so he walks into the city of grass and get back to where no he goes back he to goes back all, to the fish market oh, the where, fish it all started, market, where yeah. he was born and kicked under the table mm. that's right yeah something draws him back there and instead of doing all the things he could have done he tips the perfume on his head well he re- yeah he realizes it, it won't give him the fulfillment mm yeah, you know, doing all those things that, are, like, say, a loving relationship but would. But yeah, so he tips the perfume on his head, and in the middle of a, a rough kind of market town I thought, at I thought, night, oh, we're going to get another fucking gangbang here. Yeah, you know? no, that's not. <laughs> but what that's happens. not what happened. It goes no. all zombie. Yeah, uh, they they again call him an angel and are so enraptured by his presence that. They want to take it a becomes bit a zombie fit. They're all on him and biting him, and well, they want to consume him. Yeah, literally. And literally you see him. a couple of bites, and then it's just a uh, looks like a scrum. After that, 50, which dissipates 60, to like eighty people, yeah, almost hundred, like Monty Python or something. It's just like a pair of trousers and something that's and some blood smeared on the floor, and you're like, 
I what the fuck say, is going on? My missus said uh, Monty Python. Really? Yeah. And it, bring it up again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it just kind of becomes like a little place where people step around and that's it. It's just this pile of clothes on the floor. It's fucking bonkers. Yeah. I didn't understand what happened at the end. No. I meant to, I haven't had time to do more reading around the, 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 the interpretation the stuff, but I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck is happening? And that was that. Not one of my usual choices, maybe less predictable, probably something, I don't know, Riggs, I, I'm figuring you might have enjoyed it more than Sidey. I'm not um, saying I didn't enjoy it, I was just like, at the end I was like, what the fuck? I was yeah. like, just really baffled. Yeah, it's, Still it's, baffled. It's, it's, it's a strange one. I'd have to read the book to get the, the full meaning of, because obviously films are, are Someone condensed on down and everything. On Someone yeah. on the internet. <laughs> but yeah, what, what was your thoughts? Yeah, I really, really liked it. I, for, I mean, you're right about all the trigger warnings, and it didn't, it didn't, yeah, occur to me until afterwards. There are a lot of them in this. Yeah, I, I really like this. The, yeah, it's it's a crazy ass it's film. A crazy I mean, idea to, to, to have got the 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 idea of the smell across so well. It seems um, like cinema's least sort of uh, replicable sensory experience. Yeah smell yeah do it through visuals but it works like the scenes in the fish market and other things throughout the film you know the perfumery you you genuinely i yeah you could do one of those 4d experiences with it would be great wouldn't want to smell the fucking fish market no i just imagine you know someone going to alan rickman or dustin hoffman like massive star (laughs) oscar winner said right script we've got a script for you have a read of this right Right, okay, uh, perfume, yeah, great. Uh, murderer, yeah, okay, fine. Capturing the sense of 13 different... Oh, okay, that's strange. 5,000 people orgy <laughs> with Christ-like imagery who then gets eaten. What the fuck? Yeah. But yet, like, yeah. it kind of works. And and you, it leaves you asking questions uh, of the film and, as you say, what the fuck was it all about? Was he was he an angel? You know, as as far as was he the devil? Was he, you know? I have no idea what I all, thought. I mean, that, it was all I thought that this was imagery. him having a sort of fever dream, having been executed, you know, having had the twelve things, and this was what he was thinking. This is how he was going out in his head. Oh, hey, really? That's just one of the things I thought about. Could that be? But don't know. I mean, it's all there for interpretation. That's I mean, it's right, really yeah. fucking wild. This film. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's bonkers. I uh, yeah, I really liked it. He was. I saw it as this sort of metaphor for he was trying to capture people's spirit through this thing and he couldn't ultimately, even when he had it, it didn't make him happy or whole because and, and his lack of spirit in comparison to a uh, scent in comparison to everybody else's scent is really important. Yeah. Um, and that's why he just kind of gets rid of himself at the, the end, disappears back to nothing. All the Christ stuff. I loved it in there, but I don't really understand why it's in there or what it's doing, but I just enjoyed it. It's it's stylistically shot. All the transitions between scenes are good. The guy who did it is Tom Tikva, I yeah. think is how you pronounce it. And he did Cloud Atlas, which I also okay. loved. So he has a history of doing these insane, big budget, ambitious, crazy narratives. It um, is ambitious. A lot of it was shot on location in Barcelona, which would be probably quite expensive they used two and a half tons of fish and one ton of meat to get the market look right right i was gonna say it i can still smell it and I only- people <laughs> people as far away as six miles reported a bad smell in the air yeah i can believe that i mean it it looks like it's like people puking everywhere and stuff and yeah. it's just oh. 
must be like that fish challenge. Have you seen that? The, yeah, yeah. The cans of fish just like that. Oh. I just kind of like it. It's kind of, it was, there's a bit about art and consuming stuff in there as well and how when you consume it, it goes out to the masses and one day you'll be consumed and it will go with you. And all that. I don't know, there's loads of stuff you can layer onto it. It's creepy as fuck. I don't know whether we've it's, really emphasised just how. I mean, no, it, it is. You're creepy, right. It's dark. Creepy. It's it's obviously it's it's crime. It's murder. It's it's. Yeah. I'm surprised you like this. This is pretty out there. With the, yeah. Well, I watched this not knowing what it was like at all. You know, it was just mm. one of those that I, I just started to, and I wouldn't have watched it if somebody had told me what it was like. Probably, <laughs> mm. but. I'm glad that I did watch it. And it was 2006, so the year that Sonny was born. So it was just on the edge of, of the films that we tried to, to keep in and around. I, I think this was, well, certainly one I missed at the time. I watched it a few years later. But you don't leave that last scene, you know, that that, that doesn't run out. The the orgy scene is, is just a cracker. It reminded me of a little bit of like Alejandro Jorodovsky. Okay. Alejandro. Okay. Oh, Alej- Adj- I don't know. I don't know Alejandro stuff. I tried to nominate one of them. Yeah, just kind of like a different version of that. It's kind of gothic fairy tale thing with loads of meaning to it. If you want to put it on there, and it's stylistically shot, good soundtrack. For, I loved it. For, for the most part, though, it was quite straight, wasn't it? I mean, you didn't get any kind of magic. He, he lured a dog from the prostitute smell. Over what, but what do you mean by straight? I mean, it was pretty... Well, it, it, was, was, it was a serial killer and all serial killers have their sort of quirk and their tro- their particular trophy. So in that sense, I wasn't that weirded out by it. But when it fucking goes bananas at the end... Yeah. What the fuck? That the orgy is a weird like... tonal shift, isn't it? I mean, it, that, it's a big... The, it just it, comes it out showed the power, though, mm. in it, you know, just of that one... Mm drop mm. and he, he just wafts the, the i think I'd, I'd have exploited that a little bit more than just yeah. at one time <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah well i mean that's you know the this is based on a book that book was the inspiration for the nirvana song sentence apprentice yeah i read that which is nice which was kind of only i read that kurt cobain sort of let him have that one dave Grohl, because it was dave Grohl's tune oh really it's a bit like it's yeah, a bit cool you, about the drummers, isn't you it? You can write one of those as well, you mm. prick. <laughs> this is they're showing this on uh, on TV tonight on uh, Chanel number five. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was a, a weird kind of uh, success. But do you think that it made money? Or Wait, not? Did, do you tell us the money already? Because I don't. I never look at it, and I'm crazy insane on this because it looks like it cost a fortune to make. It cost sixty million dollars to make. Oh, it's lost everything. Surely lost everything. Sixty mil. Yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it must have been for the cast. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Location shoots. I, I I would say that this lost. I'm hoping it broke even. It took home 135 million. All right, all right. I've never heard of it. Brilliant. It's brilliant. Do do you know why women wear makeup and perfume? Because they're ugly and they stink. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that wasn't my joke. So, yeah, you should definitely watch this, but strap yourself in for a fucking wild ending. Yeah. And, well, uh, no, not just the ending. The whole film. Is, well, it really, is the ending is like the the cherry on the weird icing. Yeah, mm. there's foul play. Yeah, definitely one to check out. Doc McStuffins, mm. classic. Yeah, you into this? Doc McStuffins, am I into it? 
you know, did Sexually. you ever? <laughs> Obviously, no. I saw it a bit. My my daughter was never crazy keen on it, but they both went. They've got a lot of the fucking merchandise anyway. Great theme tune again. Yeah, strong, strong theme tune mm. game. So I suggested that we watch this, and the episode was a, a crossover kind of episode. It what was the name of the the episode again. It was Goral Overdrive, and it featured a lot of the winnie the pooh yeah universe in this one because usually walking in acre wood i think was the yeah the name of the normally doc episode. would have um like generic toys that she so she imagines herself as a doctor her mother is a doctor a pediatrician yeah. and she imagines herself following this footstep she's got a magical stethoscope that brings which her, she can use to travel through time and stuff yeah it's like a kind of toy story thing all her toys come to life and she fixes them when they're knackered and all that normally the toys that she fixes are like an approximation of an existing toy but not a real mccoy yeah or just some generic kind of thing so so the toys are sentient are they when they're sort of comatose or are they aware of their surrounding because she brings them to life with the magic stethoscope yeah yeah they're still they're still with it i think so what they're just Unless she animates you, you're just doomed to an existence of like being a sort of like a like paraplegic. Yeah. Mm. God, that is dark. <laughs> yeah. They never really touch on that too much though. <laughs> and you've got Lammy, Stuffy, Chili, and Halley who are all the kind of it's hard to work lamb. out. We've got all those toys at home. S- Stuffy's the blue dragon. Chili is the snowman. He's um, really anxious. Yeah. He's, he's a the sort of con- yeah. Yeah, he's worried. He keeps saying about, "Oh my god, my legs hurt." Oh, and they, they say, but "You don't have any legs." You're, mm. a, you're, just, oh my god, I've lost my legs. And yeah, like, I'm gonna melt. It's he a joke. He's that, gonna melt. It's a joke that never gets old. You mm. got Hallie, who's the stuffed purple hippo, and a nurse who's Doc's assistant. Lammy is one of Doc's best friends, and she very loves to hug and, very yeah, and she's a she's a dancer. Mm. Um, and then there's Stuffy, the blue dragon, who tries to be the bravest dragon of all, but isn't really that brave. No. Yeah. And he's a klutz. They always have a klutz, yeah. don't they? It was like in Paw Patrol, Marshall is like always falling over and shit. But they're already doing the dragon thing with the T-Rex and Toy Story, because this does a kind of Toy Story vibe, you know, with toys coming to life and all that sort of stuff. It's much more horrific implications, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this, this episode begins when the doc and the, the toys spot Winnie the Pooh. And then... Yeah, I'll confess I didn't see it, Dan. Right. Um, I didn't oh, get time. Out, yeah. And yeah, when Sidey told me in the 22 car... 22 minutes. That's what put me off. I didn't have the time. I have seen Doc McStuff and I thought, oh, there's going to be nothing special. And I should have known because you specifically selected this one. I, I did because it had that kind of crossover to, yeah. to Winnie the Pooh. Mm. And it was new to me as well, actually, The when they put these two together but they work quite well in this and and Pooh is he's just so lovable he is he's on a he's on a balloon just getting taken, taken away. away he's just sort of that real sort of sad sack character. Yeah. Just like, oh. he just wants to eat honey yeah. you know that's yeah. all he that's wants very to relatable do. character yeah. Yeah. and so they've met in 100 acre wood and Pooh's friends are all there Tigger and Piglet and Eeyore and the rest of him. And there's a honey festival going on, which is why Pooh wants to be there. But he's floating off on these balloons. Wait, how's it drawn then? Is it drawn? Because they're very different. Well, I was just about uh, to say, it's, this is your first sort of, well, certainly for me, my first look at them in more of a 3D rendering rather than, you know, just the, the old 
Winnie the Pooh would be a 2D, you know, hand-drawn thing. But oh, it, I wish it, I'd seen this. But God, it, it, they, they do it kind of well because they still keep that very traditional yeah. way of sketching Pooh. Yeah. You know, it mm. just fits in with Doc Mitch stuff in who <laughs> isn't drawn that way. Yeah, it's... Anyway, Pooh falls down and, and gets injured. So, gonna... Fiction, uh, fiction, you know, it starts up and everything, the yeah. theme tune and Doc stuff and time gets going. Time for your checkup. Time, time for, for your checkup. Do you know? Yeah, 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 yeah Just I've join in it. if, you know, yeah. you shouldn't leave. No, no, no. <laughs> With your voice. You know, I mean, you neither of my that. kids were particularly into this, although I have seen bits of it over the years. So, But I've just come to this, just despise it because of the, the merchandise being right. so pervasive, even though my kids haven't seen it. You guys are going to tell me this is great and all this. I feel like I've missed out on this... Um, Winnie well, the Pooh stuff, because I do like Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, it, it was a good one. Doc actually is able to to fix Pooh and, and get him back into his good place. And they bring the honey festival to Pooh, because that's what friends are for. Mm. And it, it was nice. It's positive. You know, my daughter's left it behind now. So I kind of got abandoned on this, even when Winnie Pooh came in. It held the interest a little bit. She stayed in the room, but she wasn't watching it like you, Riggs. You know, she just didn't bother. Well, there's no reason for me to watch it if it's if it's not on. I, I'm sorry I disrespected your choice. And again, you know, you've, you would have, I would have enjoyed all that. Yeah, I think you would have. Yeah, I chose yeah. it especially for you as well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I just, I can't get over the sort of basic premise. I'm sure she's got, is it Munchausen's by proxy? Well, I, I think they go in again. Oh. You know where you... That's like, where you make someone ill. Yeah, so that's that what she's doing with her toys. toys. Oh, okay. That's yeah, why yeah. everybody around her is suddenly like, oh, my oh, You think she's part of that, that kid in Toy Story who's breaking all the toys and then, and then fixing that. them I as well. I think she's a monster. No, uh, think- this, is, this is good. This is good. And it takes the fear away from medical stuff and procedures and go to the doctor. And we still would say to our daughter, she goes to the doctor, time for your checkup. Check right, and, yeah. uh, and that relaxes them more and they get into it. Yeah, but it's, it's bullshit though. They sell him a lie because but she goes to the like the fucking stuffed animal or whatever, and you're going to get stitched up, and it'll all be fine, and don't worry. He's like, oh yeah, that sounds. But when you take a kid to the thing, especially one who doesn't like that stuff, you basically got your foot on their neck, and you're like, you know, having to even on an injection. Why doesn't it? Why isn't one of the stuffed teddies like, no, I'm not going to do it. Oh, they do have ones where the animals, um, the toys are scared and stuff. They do have that. There's one with the there's the two Jack in the Box, and one's the dad and one's the son. And the dad has something wrong with him and the kid's fucking hugely freaking out. And it's all about, you know, your parents are going to die eventually. So get used to it. It's not quite like that, but it's... But you know when they're like... It's trying to deal with certain issues in a sensitive way for kids. Christopher Robin comes into this as well. And he's another one that can speak to Doc McStuffin's toys. So it's like, oh, Doc and and, uh, Christopher Robin are like, oh, you, you understand toys as well yeah yeah i do so even the toys are like oh christopher robin knows who i am and he can he can hear me too so they they have this shared imagination in it and you know there's some stuff in gone from poo and i wasn't sure if he's gonna make it <laughs> i didn't know at this stage i mean he's in the emergency emotional. room yeah. it, it was pretty tough yeah but and christopher robin rightly you know bonds with doc over their their shared ability to talk to toys and I don't know whether there's something going to go on there Almost in later certainly. episodes because they what, talk about go, tension, going back. I'm just saying they talk a friendship, you know, is developing between Doc and Christopher Robin. And I think they go back into Hundred Acre Wood. 
it's possible. A frolic in the woods. Yeah. Well, Earlier on in the episode, you, we said about the first gays in the village. And yeah. you said, oh, everyone's fucking got the first one. Well, so does this because <laughs> August the 5th, 2017, season four, episode 22A, because mm. there's A and a B, mm. called The Emergency Plan. It features Thea and Eddie, an interracial lesbian married couple, making Doc McStuffins the first Disney Junior preschool series and Disney's first TV series to include a same-sex couple. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. So it has that. And only the other day, my wife. Yeah. Was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have that. You also have, you know, Doc Mustafa is a black character, you know, lead yeah. character. Um, yeah. So it has representation in it. It's, we love all that sort of stuff, don't we? Oh, shit. I've, I've really picked the wrong battle here, haven't I? Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. this. I think she's a psychopath, though. That's the only logical be. conclusion. She's like, you know. Well, and then who does she have, like, a whole closet of identical lab coats or is her mother washing her mother washes them because they're white yeah it's hard and then who gave her the stethoscope we do get an origin of it at some point and it's with emma stone (laughs) and emma thompson (laughs) she she's normally got the the lab coat over a long sleeve purple and white striped t-shirt and a pink colored skirt with polka dot leggings mm. and uh, violet ankle socks with pink sneakers and sparkles you're gonna cosplay it for us <laughs> probably not oh, yeah. yeah that would wouldn't it and did you know that her maternal grandfather has survived heart and knee replacement surgery that was in one of the earlier episodes do you know what her, her name is because it's not doc <laughs> i, I not actually doc? do i found this out today is it docothy nearly dotty Dotty. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Her clinic mm-hmm. is much bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Well, it changes. In the first few seasons, It's she has like a Wendy house sort of thing, playhouse mm. in the mm. garden, and it's that. And then later on, it becomes this whole world. Somehow she gets another thing that mm. expands it all. So, yeah. It's TARDIS. Very, very TARDIS-like, yeah. yeah. Do you know that she... <laughs> This this is true. It's called McStuffinsville, where she's from. Right. That's that's a coincidence. A, a, a random fact. She owns the town. Is yeah, what I think or... so. I think yeah. so. But this was in in for awards, and it won some awards. Yeah, the Peabody Award. The Peabody. The Peabody. I think that's a big one. It's um, bigger than that, Dan. Uh, I'm not surprised it won awards. I think it's really good. Riggs clearly hates it, but I think it's really good. This it's a, a, it's big a hit. solid choice. Yeah, for I think kids. Seven, eight, still enjoying this. Um, I think you're going to like it a lot more than what I nominate for next week, put it that way. Okay. Mm. Is it long, what you've nominated? Well, anything is if you actually bothered to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I've done it disservice because the poo stuff I would have enjoyed. You always enjoy good poo content online, I do. don't you? Yeah. I do, yeah. yeah. Awesome Gallic content this week don't forget that you can win all kinds of amazing stuff but from us you can win a (laughs) digital download of cruella Mm. and you must listen to our midweek episode on cruella and the answer to the question we want to know is how many dalmatians out of a maximum score of 101 what did Riggs score that you can let us know on our social media channels or emailing us at our email address, which you can find online. I have got some nominations for next week. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready for you to tell me. I'm looking forward to this, actually. To, to be excited about it. 
where they go home, forget what they are, and then we have ask a, you in the group three conversations, three convers- times. Yeah. It, wait there, let me get a pencil because I can. I it can doesn't make a difference, down. Dan. Don't no. worry about it. Okay. I don't know if we'll be joined by any of our other co-hosts next week. Depends on how COVID slash new baby. I don't think are. I want to be around Howie. I don't think Pete should of, be here. If week he's after. still symptomatic now and system addict. Uh, right, top five movie trees. Yeah. Oh, okay. You into that? The midweek mention is going to be Battle Royale. Right, okay. Mm. The Korean movie. It's Japanese. Japanese. And the reason we're picking that is because Quentin Tan- Tarantino said it was the best film. It's his favourite film that's been released since 1992. So we'll see about that. Have you okay. seen that before? Yeah, I've seen it a long yeah. time ago. Have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen yeah. it before. Yeah. Oh. I think it's on Prime. Okay. I, think I might watch Prime. this with the boy. Tell him that's what school life could have been like. Uh, we're going to watch Hateful Eight, but I think you guys possibly might have seen it, but I have not. This is one that I missed, so I want to catch up with that. It's a bit more Tarantino stuff. And the kids stuff, unfortunately, is not Tarantino-related, but it is currently on rotation in our house. It is Dive Club on Netflix. Dive Club. Oh, is that like Pony City Yes, Club, it's Pony City Club, diving. but uh, copy and pasted into the uh, scuba diving world. So we'll see what we think about all those next week. All that remains is to say, Sidey signing out. Rigs out. Dan's gone. <laughs>